Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 111 of Lesbians You Ride. This week's topic is, Are Writers Always Miserable? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the resident curmudgeon, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? Can I get that, like, on a t-shirt or something? I know, right? I think that would should. make me smile. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably sell those shirts. You could be the fun one and I could be the scowling one. <laughs> Well, you know, I still need the professional lesbian, right, on a t-shirt, and you need resident curmudgeon. But we should start branching out. I mean, we got buy us a coffee on the website. Let's do merch next. Merch. (laughs) Merch. All right. So besides being the resident curmudgeon, I really, I quite fancy that new nickname. Um, what have I been doing? Well, I'm still toiling away on the Miracle Girl and Lizzie. All right, listeners, so I need you to weigh on which one. Is it JJ or Lizzie? Which is Who is going to cross the finish line first? It's kind of like, you know, like the Boston Marathon this, this time of year. But since they're not holding it, we can just bet on one of my books. <laughs> and how slow can I be? <laughs> how fast will TB's books run a non-existent marathon? Answers on an email. Um, so how, how are they going? Because last week, last time out, they were about 14,000 neck and neck. How are the horses doing this week? They're still neck and neck. I think Lizzie pulled ahead just a bit, but maybe by like three words. Okay. It's going to be a photo finish. Have you been adding any more than 250 to 500, or is it is it going at the same pace? Going, it's going... Oh, it's, it's probably going slower. Slower. <laughs> okay, good. But you know... I, I have downshifted. <laughs> I'm trying to reserve for that last two-mile sprint of the marathon. I'm trying to conserve energy. TV is at the water station. And she's uh, <laughs> filling up on electrolytes as well. Gabbing with other runners, you know. <laughs> Just making it a fun time because it shouldn't be painful, right? Writers are miserable. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Maybe they are. Hang Anyways. on. <laughs> Anyways, while um, I am trying to get my words out, I'm also focusing on other parts of the business. I've been updating the front and back matter for my books. That was one of my big goals for 2021 is update my back matter. Um. I had to recently upload the um, uh, back matter or the new uh, file to KDP for the date and the setup within like two days. And I was remembering your story when you were uploading all the stuff and you accidentally swapped the inner files for mm. different books. Did mm-hmm. you do that? Yeah. Am I remember that right? Yeah. yeah. I was terrified I was going to do that with the date and the setup because the covers are rather similar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come on, you can't. Don't pull a Claire. <laughs> Don't pull a Claire. So I learned from your mistake. Yeah, that's that's good, you see. We want to be honest, we want to be accountable, and we want to be, uh, you know, don't do the same stupid shit that I did. Should we put that that on a t-shirt as well? We should. Yeah. Yeah, that should be like our just logo. (laughs) We've done all the stupid shit, so you don't have to. (laughs) So on um, other news for the setup, um, last week or two weeks ago, I can't remember now, I did a free run of the setup because that book was the first London romance set in... um, the first like short story set in uh london and then the date which has different characters but it has the same feel so i was like well i should run the setup for free and then i had in the back of the setup like you know if you're not ready to say goodbye to london yet keep reading for a sample for the date and then at the end of that sample was a buy link and um i have to admit i wasn't sure what to expect 
But um, after the freebie session ended, I ran it for five days. Um, the sales for the date, which was a new release, um, shot back up. When I first released it, you know, it was in the top three, and it was bouncing around, and then it kind of fell down the chart a bit. But then after this promotion, the date went back to number one. And I don't know if it was entirely because of the freebie, but I think it did help. Mm, no, I, I'm sure it did. So, yeah, congratulations. It's very good. And uh goes to show that, um, you know, putting something up for free and then putting another little offer in the back and say, hey, if you want to keep reading, uh, it does work. A lot of people say that putting free books up doesn't work anymore, but it, it does. On a different book news, I reached out to one of my cover artists um, requesting a box set cover for the last three books in the Lizzie series because they're not in the box set yet. And usually when I would reach out to her, I've been working with her for years, maybe five years now. She's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll get to it by next week. This time I got an email saying, yeah, sure, I put you on the schedule for a month from now. And I was like, oh, she's getting busier, which is great news for her, and I'm very happy for her. But this is a, a, a friendly reminder. Remember, like, we did all the bad shit, so you don't have to. Um, don't count on a cover <laughs> within a week and not prepare for getting that, you know, set ahead of time so now i have now requested the next three covers i need from her even though those books aren't done yet because i'll be better prepared yeah yeah no that is a uh, good advice and I, I guess it is what i have to do with um both my cover designers actually so yeah everyone's getting busy yeah and so um just you know be prepared so it was a good lesson and, and luckily it wasn't for like a new release it's just for a box set so that's really not gonna do any damage but again, something to keep in mind when you're taking off all the things while you're um, getting a book ready for publication. And uh, in my other news, I recently shared the bad news my doctor delivered saying that I needed to lose weight. Now, I found out this news back in January. I think my appointment was like on January 3rd. I started off the year with the bad news. But I'm happy to announce since then I have lost 10 pounds. Woohoo! Well done. Very good. No toot toot. Toot toot. I thought that was our new, our new <laughs> thing. Toot toot. <laughs> I forgot my toot toot. Do you know what? When uh, my wife and I were walking up to the shop the other day, she said something to me, and I went toot toot. And then she's like, "We're not on a podcast." Oh no, no, no. I think everyone should just start saying toot toot when they're excited. <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously, I still need to lose more weight, and I need to keep the weight off. I've been making very small, small tweaks not only to my regular work routine and my diet, but it just goes to show that um, even the small tweaks you, you do, it does add up. And I think that's why you and I are always championing, finding little things you can improve on slowly and it all builds. And then you all of a sudden lose 10 pounds. Yeah. Well, not all of a sudden, but you can announce you've lost 10 pounds. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, small, small changes do add up to big, sort of uh, big changes. <laughs> wow, yeah, I'm, so, building. I'm so yeah. profound. <laughs> they're the building blocks. Small changes are building blocks to greatness. That's it. That's it for me. That's all I got going on over here. Wow. I still don't want to write a book. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. And I'm not successfully getting a cover right now. Okay. But you're lighter. I Maybe. am. I'm lighter in the loafers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for me, uh, I'm still uh, marching on with my London 8 uh, draft. So um, it's nearly done. Uh, I've just been spent this week working out uh, how much things cost in 1958. God, it's difficult to work this shit out because, you know, when I was born, um, it, we were already decimalised, so in the 70s. 
1958, I'm trying to work out um, how much things were. And I, they were, it's confusing. It's really confusing because they were like pennies and they called them D's, not P's. So what, what, what's the D word you used? So you said we were already what? Oh, decimalized. So decimalization is pounds and pence. Never heard that before. And I keep, when you say it, I keep thinking decimated. I'm like, this sounds like a really tragic love story. <laughs> it can be if you like. It's when the pound kissed the pence and that was all we had. So we used to have pounds, shillings and pence. And there used to be 20 shillings in a pound and 12 pence in a shilling. And that's, and it blew my mind. And then it was like, and they didn't call pennies, pe- they called pennies D. So if you looked on a if you look at see it written down it would say 5d and i'm like what's 5d it's 5p why are you calling it d Man, i never would have survived this no <laughs> can you imagine me trying to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> thank god you weren't born in the uk in the 50s tv because you would have just grown up like no I, that's it i'm done i probably would have just starved to death because i wouldn't be able to go out and figure out how to go to the grocery store and pay for shit <laughs> So yes, I'm trying to work out um, how much things cost and um, that's difficult. And then I'm just trying to work out, in one scene, uh, the characters drink some, I decided some sherry, because, you know, sherry I think was popular then. I was trying to work out what sherry, but I think it was the one that came to my head first, which is the one my mum and dad used to drink when I was um, little. And it's Harvey's Bristol Cream, which is still going and started in 1882. So I think it was definitely alive and kicking in 1958. And that's sherry, so it's kind of like a sweeter? It's It's a fortified wine, so it's a... A little bit like port, but not quite as sweet as port, but um, yeah, on the port line. So a sipping drink, you don't like, you know, yeah. gulp this. No. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. So we're just keeping along. Unlike you, you see, I only ever do one project at a at time. I can't do two. It's just not how I work. So I just do one project. And then when it's done, I start on the next one. So there you go. Different people work in different ways, whereas TB always juggles projects. If I juggle, I drop things. Also this week, um, I think I said to you last time around that I have been doing this seven years now. And I I said uh, this week, um, clearly I was procrastinating because I decided to work out uh, how many words I'd, that means I've published. And um, do you know how many words that is? Oh no, I'm asking you a maths question. I'm not going to ask you this. But what I realized uh, was that for the first five years, sorry, for the first three years of my career when I was part-time I suppose that makes sense I wrote five books in three years and then ever since then for the last four years I've written three books a year so there you go that was interesting because I didn't really understand that that was how I'd done it um and I've got with those 18 novels and six novellas I've got 1.5 million published words that sounds quite a lot isn't it and do you know what this week editing the, the big London dreams I had those happy feelings that I am doing the right job because I'm really enjoying making this one a little bit more real you know shading it in filling in the details making it come to life Uh, i'm enjoying it so um and i'm believing in the story so i'm have one of those weeks this week where i just thought oh i love my job interesting for the episode where we're going to talk about how we're miserable good job (laughs) i mean obviously you know you know me i spend the other 51 weeks of the year miserable but the one week we talk about misery i'm quite happy the other thing that's happened is my Portuguese translation is jockeying up and the excitement is building. Uh, my publisher in Brazil has um, put it up for pre-sale and they're giving away like gay canvas bags and gay postcards to go with it and that say love, all love is equal. So that's very exciting. I'm part of a big gay promotion in Brazil. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, well done, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spreading, spreading gay through the world. I know. <laughs> 
and let's face it probably brazil needs that at the moment uh because they're not doing so they well joy. they do need some joy so i'm hoping to bring the joy with uh, i can't remember how what it says in in portuguese but with before you say i do the other thing we've done this week is we booked a holiday no shit like outside the house yep outside the house you're not like bringing sand into your front room and pretending you're on the beach <laughs> i've been contemplating that <laughs> Uh, we're not we're not going to a beach. We're not actually get on a plane. Uh, we're going to Scotland. So, so are you gonna do the train car? We're gonna get the sleeper train. We booked the sleeper train. How exciting is that? Very romantic. Very well, as one of my friends said, very Agatha Christie. I'm hoping not to get killed in my sleep, but who knows? Yes, we booked a sleeper train, so we've got our own compartment with a with an ensuite, with a shower and everything. Oh wait, you get your own like your own bathroom? Yeah. Oh, we did a sleeper train from uh, Trieste, Italy to, uh, it was either Austria or Germany, I can't remember now, but we had to share a bathroom, and um, I was going to recommend using the bathroom early, because <laughs> by the end of the trip, everyone's drinking and they miss a lot. <laughs> no, uh, this, we've got our own carriage and our own bathroom, so that's good. Uh, yeah, and we're going to do like a tour of like the Scottish Highlands. We're going to be on our own in a car, staying at little what? hotels and things. And When is this? June. Oh, so this is coming up. This isn't like the, the fall. You're like talking a couple of months from now. Yep. Wow, exciting. Mm, it is. So, fingers crossed that no no um, COVID things spring up again and kibosh our plans. But there's no certain season life. But you know what? I've decided that uh, it's good to have things in the calendar. And all these things are cancelable because there's all COVID, you know, protections involved in all these things now. So, um, it's good to have something to look forward to. Absolutely. So you're you're the first one of us to venture out onto a holiday. So I'm wishing you well. All right. Let's get onto comments. Comment monitor. What you got? All right. So I have one comment this week, and it's from Angela. And Angela wanted us to know that uh, Angela is still loving the podcast and um, listens on at while at work and occasionally laughs out loud. So hopefully we're not getting Angela in trouble. But I'm glad to hear that she's still still liking it, yeah. even though I don't know. We're miserable. Well, at least I am. You <laughs> fucked up today. <laughs> I do. It's so off-brand today. Um, and Denise, our famous, or semi-famous, as she says, pecan farmer and tractor owner, said she just listened to episode 106 today while mowing on her tractor. She burst out laughing when we read out Lou's email who mentioned her, her tractor and her pecan farm. Uh, Denise says she's just glad she wasn't close to a tree when she heard it as she might have crashed. We don't want you to crash, Denise. I hope you don't crash again because I've mentioned you again. If you write back, I promise I won't mention you again, but it made me laugh. Well, that's as rude. If you write back, I will never mention you again. <laughs> that's a way to get the comments in. Yeah, I wonder why our comments are falling off the cliff. <laughs> All right, should we move on to the topic of the day, which I don't think you're truly understanding the definition of it. Uh, let's let's get there, TV call. So I came up with this topic naturally. This was me. I, I think everyone knew that. As soon as they heard the word miserable, they are like, no, oh, TV must have thought of this one. But... As I've been mentioning, I've been struggling with my current works in progress. And so I was Googling tips for writers. You know, you go to that. You always go to that when you're, like, struggling. How do I get past this? <laughs> it's the Google machine. And um, I found this quote by Dorothy Parker, who is one of my favorite uh, American authors. And it says, if you have any young friends who aspire to become writers, the, gr the second greatest favor you can do them is to present them with copies of the elements of style. The first greatest 
of course, is to shoot them now while they're still happy. So that fit my mood. And I, I sent you an email, and I was like, can we discuss how our writers just naturally, are we just naturally miserable sods to begin with? Another reason they came up with this topic, because recently I was watching a movie, and the movie wasn't great. I can't even remember the title of it. But the intro of it really hit home, because it starts with this man. He's in his um, home office. He's sitting at a typewriter. It's set in the 1930s. And you can just tell he's just miserable. It's like early in the morning, but he's already hitting the whiskey. He keeps pulling paper out of the typewriter, balling it up, throwing it across the room. And the camera pans, and there's just like a huge pile of rolled up paper. And finally, you feel like he's got he's got it. He finally starts, you know, tapping on the um, keyboard. And then when the camera goes to the page, he's typed out, help. And I was like, this is me right now and it got me thinking about our career choice i know you're very excited right now to be an author right now i'm like this was a terrible career choice <laughs> and while i was laughing at the scene in the movie and i was laughing when i read uh dorothy parker's quote this is something that i think you should pay attention to because what i am experiencing right now is kind of a natural process in the in the writing life. And it is something where I think a lot of people um, associate with authors because there are several famous authors who are known not solely for their masterpieces but for also being miserable and for sadly taking their own lives. We have Ernest Hemingway, Sylvia Plath, John Kennedy Toole, Virginia Woolf, and Hunter S. Thompson, and many others. And so it is something that you need to realize that this career does kind of take it out of you. Now, I want to... Oh, I did come across a um, title of a symposium on the connection between creatives and depression. And the title of it, I was... I don't think it meant it to be funny, but I was laughing when I read it. It said, Wanting to Die, Suicide in American Literature. (laughs) That must have been a fun conference to go to for a day. (laughs) Also, there was a recent... Well, rather recent, within the past 10, 15 years, for a historian that's very recent... There was an article in The Atlantic that claims, I, mean, I don't know how they proved this claim, but it claims that writers kill themselves at twice the rate compared to other professions. Did you know that when you started? I did not know that. I would uh, question how they're getting their stats. I would have thought it would have been, like, if they said something like uh, medical professionals, then that wouldn't have surprised me, because the rate of, like, addiction in medical professionals is off the scale. I, I don't know. I didn't actually read the article but I just thought it was interesting that this is a stat that is tossed around. And so I do want to assure the listeners, I am not feeling this way any way, shape, or form. (laughs) Do not worry about me. I know I'm complaining about my struggles. I just wanted to use this episode to remind listeners that when you are going through a bout of creative resistance, which I am experiencing, I know it's resistance. I don't know the reason yet, but I know it happens. I've been through it before. And what I'm doing differently this time is I am not beating myself up about it. I'm talking about it, I'm opening up about it, but I'm not wallowing about it. And I think that's important. And also, I keep saying, you know, I'm only getting 100 words down each day. That's still 100 words I don't have to write tomorrow. So progress is being um, made. And it's important 
absolutely imperative for creatives or just everybody really when you are going through a difficult time let your brain deal with the resistance the way it needs to give yourself time i've been going for longer walks i've been watching more movies i've been reading more books i'm giving my brain my i think my brain is telling me slow down and so i'm listening really important and actually uh, i think that this is probably a natural you need a break uh, because as we've said before in this podcast you've published you've written and published a lot in the last six months right uh, because I think you were running to catch up with with the lost time that you perceived happened in 2020 when you weren't very well. Uh, but, you know, you, you didn't need to do that, but that's what you wanted to do. So you did work very hard over the last six months, uh, the last three months of 2020 and the first three months of 2021. And you wrote and published a lot. And now your body, your brain is just saying, hey, I need a break. So I think it's absolutely understandable and I think it's absolutely okay because you can't go full pace, uh, full pelt even, 24-7, 365, you know, you just can't. Um, and it's no good for your creativity. You need to refill the well as well. So um, it's one of the reasons I'm really excited about, you know, even, you know, going out to the pub uh, for, for a, an outdoor meal. Um, I did see a writer on Twitter today say that they went to the pub last night uh, and they heard a snippet of a conversation and it's inspired a new book idea in them. And these are the reasons why you need to ref refill you well, like either reading books, watching movies, or just going out and experiencing life. You know, I'm already thinking that I'm, I'm gonna um, set a book in Scotland done after I go on holiday there, fingers crossed. But you do need to do that. And so I think this is a natural break for you. So don't beat yourself up, sit with it. Now, now back to this book set in Scotland, since you know, you're now writing in historical fiction, are you going to write like an Agatha Christie where someone dies on the train? <laughs> I mean, come on, it seems like a natural train to Scotland. <laughs> I know, right? I know, uh, Wendy, you know Wendy Hudson? Uh, she's a very good uh, mystery thriller author. Uh, she's Scottish, she lives in Glasgow, and all her books are set on some craggy Scottish island where you know somebody dies and then she has to go to a castle and investigate and shit like that and uh yeah I don't think that's gonna be me gotta say I'm not really a mystery writer my wife would like me to write a cozy mystery maybe I could write one what the train just on the train on the way I'll write one don't worry yeah just bash it out yeah don't take time off <laughs> that's what we're saying do not take time off ever yeah but it's something I mean it is uh, I don't know if you've gone through these low points in writing but I remember the one of the last times I did it was um, when I was working on Reservations in the Heart and the Lizzie book. <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should just ditch the Lizzie book right now. But I was beating myself up a lot, and we were doing the recordings then. And then um, somehow I got through it, and then those two, book, two books did really well. So it's just part of it. You're not always going to be brilliant. Uh, other other than Claire, Claire's always brilliant. But you're just your brain cannot handle it. But I do recommend. When your body and brain are telling you to take a break, don't Google how many writers end up offing themselves because there were a lot of names. <laughs> so how did you come at this at this question? <clears throat> you took a more uh, humorous approach. I did because, you know, I'm having a week of joy, TB. <laughs> I'm just so grateful. <laughs> so grateful to be here. So happy to be a writer. Every day is you're just skipping la la la. Every day is every day is like skipping through a green field with blue skies for me. 
And that's mainly because, you know, TK Maxx is back open. You know, obviously uh, I've had those times where um, I'm very miserable and I'm questioning my career choice. I think we've all had those times, but it is all just part of being a writer. And I think the thing to remember is that people think that being a writer is just, well, an independently published writer. It's just doing the writing, right? And that's only one, (laughs) I know. So quaint when people think that. And that's only one bit of it. And so... And there's always going to be bits of every single job. Even your dream job has got bits that you're not going to want to do. Like you're still going to have to do your taxes and you're still going to have to do your accounts at the end of every month. And you're still going to have to upload to eight different platforms. And you're still going to have to make sure all the metadata is right on the back end. And all these things contribute to you having a great career and a long lasting career. And you know, contribute to readers finding you. Basically, if you don't get the metadata right on the back end of the all the platforms, if you don't get your keywords right and all that sort of thing, no one will ever find you. So all these things are really tedious, but every single job has tedium in it. And you just have to weigh up, is this job that you're doing, uh, that we're doing, is it worthwhile, the tedium that comes along with it? And, and there's always going to be it in every job. So I think the answer is yes. And the joy is coming up with new stories, right? And creating new characters that really connect with readers and getting your stuff out there in the world and having people say how that, um, you know, it cheered them up, it entertained them during lockdown. It, it helped them come out to their family. It made them feel seen. It made them feel noticed. All those things make this job an absolute joy. But of course, there are going to be downsides, right? I mean, so here's, here's some downsides that Matt Haig pointed out in his brilliant article online, right? Are all writers miserable? Of course they are because they've all got bad backs. Now I can attest to this. (laughs) I've got a bad back, back shoulder. So do some yoga, everyone, okay? Do some yoga and go to a physio. There's the loneliness of it, right? Because it's a very, very, it's a very solitary job, writing. You end up naming your plants. Can I introduce you to Roscoe? Uh, You chat to your hairbrush. You you name your kettle. Uh, Radio is your friend. So it is a lonely job, but here's how to counteract that. Network with other writers, um, join online groups, um, chat with other people, get get work friends, basically. TB is one of my work friends. I've got many different uh, work friends. You need work friends, even if you're writing solo in your own house. You need work friends. You'll also... Writer work friends. Because I can reach out to Claire or I can reach out to Miranda and I can be like, oh my God, this is happening. And you guys understand. Yes. Why else might you be miserable in the career of lesbian fiction? Well, when you realise that you're not Jerry Hill, Radcliffe or Melissa Braden, you'll probably, you know, think, well, fuck this, what's the point, right? Also, when you realise you didn't write and playing the role of herself, you'll think, well, there's no point carrying on. But there are many writers in the world and there are many lesbian romance and lesbian fiction writers in the world. And yes, some of them, you might think some of them are better than you. But you may as well carry on writing because there's room for everyone. And somebody, somebody is going to think that you are the best lesbian fiction writer there is. And that is a reason not to be miserable. What's the other, what's the other reason? Well, if you're a writer, you spend weeks at a time burrowing deep into your psyche, right? This is Matt, this is Matt Haig's uh, words here. Shining a flaming torch into its cobweb corners. So there is a severe risk of being a bit shy and a bit of a self-important tosser that no one wants to speak to at parties. So self-importance as a writer, don't get bogged down by it, right? Uh, and uh, top tip, if anyone asks you at a party, what do you do? Never say you're an author because they'll either say, uh, 
oh I've got a story for you or oh really and then they'll be stumped and no, not know what to say or they'll say really how much do you earn does that pay so anyway don't let self-importance get the better of you and finally what why else might why <laughs> might we be miserable financial uncertainty uh, uncertainty now most people think you can't make a living from writing tb and i both make a living from writing so in your face doubters um before the advent of self-publishing that used to be the case yes but it's not anymore however your money will still go up and down there will be periods of time when you'll have so much money coming in it will keep hitting you in the face and you'll be like stop it with the money and then it dries up and you'll think fuck this why can't i just have a stable career if you want a stable career, writing is not the one to pick. You will go have mood swings or you will go up and down. It's a creative job. You put a bit of yourself out every book that you write. A bit of your soul goes out into the world. And if people criticise it, you might want to think that you're going to curl up in a ball and cry yourself to sleep at night. But don't do that because it's also a very rewarding job. So, And the, the main thing is when you're a writer, you have to write. And that's really annoying because it's the thing that's really it's the thing that's really rewarding but it's also the thing that you least want to do most days but the, the way to do it is just put yourself in the chair and carry on do you want me to give you one more matt haig uh quote because i really like this one a writer gives up their life for 12 months comes out at the end with nothing to show for it but a one-star amazon review written by someone in Idaho called Jesus Rainbow Unicorn, who doesn't like the reference to acts of sinful nature on page 439. What was the name of the reviewer? Jesus Rainbow Unicorn. I wonder if that's the one that said, I don't like the word, I don't like this book because she used the word fuck. <laughs> and cunt. <laughs> that might be the same, one star. <laughs> so there you go. I hope that I've um, brought the, did I bring the mood up or down? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think, I think that's up to the listeners. <laughs> yes. So comparisonitis, lack of money, having to write, never being able to tell people what you do for a living, getting depressed. There's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't be a writer, but freedom, doing your own thing, creating characters that people can fall in love with. There isn't a great job in my book. And podcasting. A, po a podcasting. Do you know what? What I mean, what job would you... Okay, you're questioning your career choices this this week. What career choice would you think this week? Did you think, I prefer to be doing that? My secret ideal job in the world, which um, is really not feasible, but my, my perfect life would be beach bum. That is what I have dreamed of ever since growing up in California. I want to be a beach bum, goddammit. Is there a career path? No, no. that's why I have to race. <laughs> I think, though, once you get to, say, what, 50 books? then you probably can just be a beach bum, right? Because then you'll have all these books to live off. I don't think I could reach 50 books and then just like stop and not <laughs> release a new book after that. I think I could slow down. Yeah. And then have more beach bum days compared to writing days. But I don't think, I don't think, who wants to ch check it and let me know? Because I don't want to like really risk financial ruin, but will someone else do it for me? <laughs> Growing up, my ambitions, I wanted to be um, a writer but I didn't think that was for people like me. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be a journalist. I did become a journalist. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to be was a, was a pop singer. So if I wasn't a if I wasn't a writer, I'd be a pop singer. That would be the only other did job you, I'd be all right at. Did you have a, a stage name set? No. Wow. You really didn't think hard about this, did you? No. 
And look, I really didn't think hard about names at all, did I? Because, you know, what's my author name? My name. <laughs> well, at least you're not a disease. <laughs> I mean, everyone beats me. So anything else to say uh, uh, in your, from your corner, TB, about um, reasons to be miserable? I would just like to, you know, remind authors or any creative or anybody who is experiencing burnout, it's normal, it's okay. Give into it a little bit and let your body and your mind heal. Because you'll be stronger on the other end. It's frustrating at the time, but it is all part of the process. It is. Or just, you know, don't get to the burnout phase as well. That's another tip. I don't know how that's avoidable because, well, especially after fucking last year with COVID. I mean, I think we're all experiencing this burnout on a level playing field right now because we're all tired of everything. Yes. Uh, I guess, yeah, we're tired of life. <laughs> the, the we're repet- tired of not life. <laughs> the, the, yes, the repetitive nature of, of the hamster wheel of life that we're on. But, um, yeah, do try and um, space out and just take breaks. Uh, as we've said before, rest and play go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So do just uh, take some breaks and then um, you will be happy, happy, joy, joy. This has been fantastic. Uh, do let us know if you think all writers are miserable. Um, are you miserable? Does any is any writer you know miserable? I think, oh, everybody has an element of misery in them, don't they, TB? But also an element of yes. joy. Let us know uh, on the website. Happy, happy joy, joy. Yes. Uh, contact us at lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Facebook, Twitter at lesbianswhowrite. Instagram me. Uh, and if you love what we do, go buy us a coffee on our website. We very much appreciate it. Join us next time when we will be doing a topic that we haven't quite decided yet. So it's going to be fantastic. That's all I can tell you. And until then, stay safe. Keep writing. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. Music